This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kim. Yosemite by John Muir. Chapter 12 How Best to Spend One's Yosemite Time. One Day Excursions. If I were so time-poor as to have only one day to spend in Yosemite, I should start at daybreak, say at three o'clock in midsummer, with a pocket full of any sort of dry breakfast stuff. For Glacier Point, Sentinel Dome, the head of Illilouette Fall, Nevada Fall, the top of Liberty Cap, Vernal Fall, and the wild, boulder-choked River Canyon. The trail leaves the valley at the base of the Sentinel Rock, and as you slowly saunter from point to point along its many accommodating zigzags, nearly all the valley rocks and falls are seen in striking, ever-changing combinations. At an elevation of about five hundred feet, a particularly fine, wide-sweeping view down the valley is obtained, past the sheer face of the Sentinel, and between the Cathedral Rocks and El Capitan. At a height of about fifteen hundred feet, the great half-dome comes full in sight, overshadowing every other feature of the valley to the eastward. From Glacier Point you look down three thousand feet over the edge of its sheer face, to the meadows and groves and innumerable yellow pine spires, with the meandering river sparkling and spangling through the midst of them. Across the valley a great telling view is presented of the Royal Arches, North Dome, Indian Canyon, Three Brothers and El Capitan with the dome-paved basin of Yosemite Creek and Mount Hoffman in the background. To the east, the half-dome close beside you, looking higher and more wonderful than ever. Southeastward, the Star King, girdled with silver firs and spacious garden-like basin of the Illilouette, and its deeply sculptured fountain peaks called the Merced Group. And beyond all, marshaled along the eastern horizon, the icy summits on the axis of the range, and broad swaths of forest growing on ancient moraines, while the Nevada, Vernal, and Yosemite Falls are not only full in sight, but are distinctly heard, as if one were standing beside them in their spray. The views from the summit of Sentinel Dome are still more extensive and telling. Eastward, the crowds of peaks at the head of the Merced, Tuolumne, and San Joaquin rivers are presented in bewildering array. Westward, the vast forests, yellow foothills, and broad San Joaquin plains, and the coast ranges hazy and dim in the distance. From Glacier Point, go down the trail into the lower end of the Illilouette Basin. Cross Illilouette Creek and follow it to the fall, where, from an outjutting rock at its head, you will get a fine view of its rejoicing waters and wild canyon and the half-dome. Thence, returning to the trail, follow it to the head of the Nevada Fall. Linger here an hour or two, for not only have you glorious views of the wonderful fall, but of its wild, leaping, exulting rapids, 
and greater than all, the stupendous scenery into the heart of which the white, passionate river goes wildly thundering, surpassing everything of its kind in the world. After an unmeasured hour or so of this glory, all your body aglow, nerve currents flashing through you never before felt, go to the top of the Liberty Cap. Only a glad saunter now that your legs as well as head and heart are awake and rejoicing with everything. The Liberty Cap, a companion of the Half Dome, is sheer and inaccessible on three of its sides, but on the east a gentle ice-burnished juniper-dotted slope extends to the summit, where other wonderful views are displayed, where all are wonderful. The south side and shoulders of Half Dome and Clouds Rest, the beautiful little Yosemite Valley and its many domes, the Star King Cluster of Domes, Sentinel Dome, Glacier Point, and perhaps the most tremendously impressive of all, the views of the hopper-shaped canyon of the river from the head of the Nevada Fall to the head of the valley. Returning to the trail, you descend between the Nevada Fall and the Liberty Cap with fine side views of both the fall and the rock. Pass on through clouds of spray and along the rapids to the head of the Vernal Fall, about a mile below the Nevada. Linger here if night is still distant, for views of this favorite fall and the stupendous rock scenery about it. Then descend a stairway by its side, follow a dim trail through its spray, and a plain along the border of the boulder-dashed rapids, and so back to the wide, tranquil valley. One-Day Excursions Number 2 Another grand one-day excursion is to the upper Yosemite Fall, the top of the highest of the three brothers called Eagle Peak on the geological survey maps. The brow of El Capitan, the head of the Ribbon Fall, across the beautiful Ribbon Creek Basin and back to the valley by the big oak flat wagon road. The trail leaves the valley on the east side of the largest of the earthquake taluses immediately opposite the Sentinel Rock, and as it passes within a few rods of the foot of the Great Fall, magnificent views are obtained as you approach it and pass through its spray, though when the snow is melting fast you will be well drenched. From the foot of the fall the trail zigzags up a narrow canyon between the fall and a plain mural cliff that is burnished here and there by glacial action. You should stop a while on a flat iron-fenced rock a little below the head of the fall, beside the enthusiastic throng of starry, comet-like waters, to learn something of their strength their marvelous variety of forms, and above all, their glorious music, gathered and composed from the snowstorms, hail, rain, and windstorms that have fallen on their glacier-sculptured, domey, ridgy basin. Refreshed and exhilarated, you follow your trailway through silver fir and pine woods to Eagle Peak, where the most comprehensive of all the views to be had on the North Wall Heights are displayed. After an hour or two of gazing, dreaming, studying the tremendous topography, etc., trace the rim of the valley to the Grand El Capitan Ridge and go down to its brow, 
where you will gain everlasting impressions of nature's steadfastness and power, combined with ineffable fineness of beauty. Dragging yourself away, go to the head of the Ribbon Fall, thence across the beautiful Ribbon Creek Basin to the Big Oak Flat Stage Road, and down its fine grades to the valley, enjoying glorious Yosemite scenery all the way to the foot of El Capitan and your camp. Two-Day Excursions Number 1 For a two-day trip, I would go straight to Mount Hoffman, spend the night on the summit, next morning go down by May Lake to Tenaya Lake, and return to the valley by Clouds Rest and the Nevada and Vernal Falls. As on the foregoing excursion, you leave the valley by the Yosemite Falls Trail, and follow it to the Tioga Wagon Road, a short distance east of Porcupine Flat. From that point push straight up to the summit. Mount Hoffman is a mass of gray granite that rises almost in the center of the Yosemite Park, about eight or ten miles in a straight line from the valley. Its southern slopes are low and easily climbed, and adorned here and there with castle-like crumbling piles and long jagged crests that look like artificial masonry. But on the north side it is abruptly precipitous and banked with lasting snow. Most of the broad summit is comparatively level and thick-sown with crystals, quartz, mica, hornblende, feldspar, granite, zircon, tourmaline, etc. Weathered out, and strewn closely and loosely as if they had been sown broadcast. Their radiance is fairly dazzling in sunlight, almost hiding the multitude of small flowers that grow among them. At first sight only these radiant crystals are likely to be noticed. But looking closely you discover a multitude of very small gilias, phloxes, mimulus, etc., many of them with more petals than leaves. On the borders of little streams, larger plants flourish. Lupins, daisies, asters, goldenrod, harebell, mountain columbine, potentilla, astrolagus, and a few gentians, with charming heathworts, bryanthus, cassiope, calmia, vaccinium, in boulder-fringing rings or bank covers. You saunter among the crystals and flowers as if you were walking among stars. From the summit, nearly all the Yosemite Park is displayed like a map. Forests, lakes, meadows, snowy peaks. Northward lies Yosemite's wide basin with its domes and small lakes, shining like larger crystals. Eastward, the rocky, meadowy, Tuolumne region, bounded by its snowy peaks in glorious array. Southward, Yosemite, and westward, the vast forest. On no other Yosemite park mountain are you more likely to linger. You will find it a magnificent sky camp. Clumps of dwarf pine and mountain hemlock will furnish resin roots and branches for fuel and light, and the rills sparkling water. Thousands of little plant people will gaze at your campfire with the crystals and stars, companions and guardians as you lie at rest in the heart of the vast, serene night. The most telling of all the wide Hoffman views is the basin of the Tuolumne, with its meadows, forests, and hundreds of smooth rock waves that appear to be coming, rolling on towards you like high, heaving waves ready to break.
and beyond these the great mountains. But best of all are the dawn and the sunrise. No mountain top could be better placed for this most glorious of mountain views, to watch and see the deepening colors of the dawn and the sunbeams streaming through the snowy high Sierra passes, awakening the lakes and crystals, the chilled plant people and winged people, making everything shine and sing in pure glory. With your heart aglow, Spangling Lake Tenaya and Lake May will beckon you away for walks on their ice-burnished shores. Leave Tenaya at the west end, cross to the south side of the outlet, and gradually work your way up in an almost straight south direction to the summit of the divide between Tenaya Creek and the main upper Merced River or Nevada Creek, and follow the divide to Cloud's Rest. After a glorious view from the crest of this lofty granite wave, you will find a trail on its western end that will lead you down past Nevada and Vernal Falls to the valley in good time, provided you left your Hoffman Sky Camp early. Two-Day Excursions Number 2 Another grand two-day excursion is the same as the first of the one-day trips as far as the head of Illilouette Fall. From there, trace the beautiful stream up through the heart of its magnificent forests and gardens to the canyons between the Red and Merced peaks, and pass the night where I camped forty-one years ago. Early next morning, visit the small glacier on the north side of Merced Peak, the first of the sixty-five that I discovered in the Sierra. Glacial phenomena in the Illilouette Basin are on the grandest scale, and in the course of my explorations I found that the canyon and moraines between the Merced and Red Mountains were the most interesting of them all. The path of the vanished glacier shone in many places as if washed with silver, and pushing up the canyon on this bright road I passed lake after lake in solid basins of granite and many a meadow along the canyon stream that links them together. The main lateral moraines that bound the view below the canyon are from a hundred to nearly two hundred feet high, and wonderfully regular, like artificial embankments covered with a magnificent growth of silver fir and pine. But this garden and forest luxuriance is speedily left behind, and patches of bryanthus, cassiope, and arctic willows begin to appear. The small lakes, which a few miles down the valley are so richly bordered with flowery meadows, have, at an elevation of ten thousand feet, only small brown mats of carex, leaving bare rocks around more than half their shores. Yet, strange to say, amid all this arctic repression, the mountain pine on ledges and buttresses of Red Mountain seems to find the climate best suited to it. Some specimens that I measured were over a hundred feet high, and twenty-four feet in circumference, showing hardly a trace of severe storms, looking as fresh and vigorous as the giants of the lower zones. Evening came on just as I got fairly into the main canyon. It is about a mile wide, and a little less than two miles long. 
The crumbling spurs of Red Mountain bounded on the north, the somber cliffs of Merced Mountain on the south, and a deeply serrated, splintered ridge curving around from mountain to mountain shuts it in on the east. My camp was on the brink of one of the lakes in a thicket of mountain hemlock, partly sheltered from the wind. Early next morning I set out to trace the ancient glacier to its head. Passing around the north shore of my camp lake, I followed the main stream from one lakelet to another. The dwarf pines and hemlocks disappeared, and the stream was bordered with icicles. The main lateral moraines that extended from the mouth of the canyon are continued in straggling masses along the walls. Tracing the streams back to the highest of its lakes, I noticed a deposit of fine gray mud. "'something like the mud corn from a grindstone. "'This suggested its glacial origin, "'for the stream that was carrying it "'issued from a raw-looking moraine "'that seemed to be in process of formation. "'It is about sixty to over one hundred feet high in front, "'with a slope of about thirty-eight degrees. "'Climbing to the top of it, I discovered a very small but well-characterized glacier swooping down from the shadowy cliffs of the mountain to its terminal moraine. The ice appeared on all the lower portion of the glacier. Farther up it was covered with snow. The uppermost crevasse, or Bergschrund, was from twelve to fourteen feet wide. The melting snow and ice formed a network of rills that ran gracefully down the surface of the glacier, merrily singing in their shining channels. After this discovery I made excursions all over the high Sierra, and discovered that what at first sight looked like snowfields were in great part glaciers, which were completing the sculpture of the summit peaks. Rising early, which will be easy, as your bed will be rather cold, and you will not be able to sleep much anyhow after visiting the glacier, climb the red mountain and enjoy the magnificent views from the summit. I counted forty lakes from one standpoint at this mountain, and the views to the westward over the Illilouette Basin, the most superbly forested of all the basins whose waters rain into Yosemite, and those of the Yosemite rocks, especially the half-dome and the upper part of the north wall, are very fine. But, of course, far the most imposing view is the vast array of snowy peaks along the axis of the range. Then, from the top of this peak, light and free, and exhilarated with mountain air and mountain beauty, you should run lightly down the northern slope of the mountain, descend the canyon between the red and gray mountains, and then northward along the bases of Gray Mountain and Mount Clark, and go down into the head of Little Yosemite, and thence down past the Nevada and Vernal Falls to the valley. A truly glorious two-day trip." A three-day excursion. The best three-day excursion, as far as I can see, is the same as the first of the two-day trips until you reach Lake Tenaya. There, instead of returning to the valley, follow the Tioga Road around the northwest side of the lake, over to the Tuolumne Meadows, and up to the west base of Mount Dana. 
Leave the road there and make straight for the highest point of the timber line between Mounts Dana and Gibbs, and camp there. On the morning of the third day, go to the top of Mount Dana in time for the glory of the dawn, and the sunrise over the great mono desert, and the sublime forest of the high Sierra peaks. When you leave the mountain, go far enough down the north side for a view of the Dana Glacier, and then make your way back to the Tioga Road. Follow it along the Tuolumne Meadows to the crossing of Bud Creek, where you will find the Sunrise Trail branching off up the mountain side through the forest in a southwesterly direction, past the west side of Cathedral Peak, which will lead you down to the valley by the Vernal and Nevada Falls. If you are a good walker, you can leave the trail where it begins to descend a steep slope in the silver fir woods, and bear off to the right and make straight for the top of Clouds Rest. The walking is good and almost level, and from the west end of Clouds Rest, take the Clouds Rest Trail, which will lead direct to the valley by the Nevada and Vernal Falls. To anyone not desperately time poor, this trip should have four days instead of three. Camping the second night at the Soda Springs, thence to Mount Dana, and return to Soda Springs, camping the third night there, thence by the Sunrise Trail to Cathedral Peak, visiting the beautiful Cathedral Lake, which lies about a mile to the west of Cathedral Peak, eating your luncheon, and thence to Clouds Rest in the valley as above. This is one of the most interesting of all the comparatively short trips that can be made in the whole Yosemite region. Not only do you see all the grandest of the Yosemite rocks and waterfalls in the High Sierra with their glaciers, glacier lakes and glacier meadows, etc., but sections of the magnificent silver fir, two-leaved pine, dwarf pine zones, with the principal alpine flowers and shrubs, especially sods of dwarf vaccinium covered with flowers and fruit, though less than an inch high. Broad mats of dwarf willow, scarce an inch high, with catkins that rise straight from the ground, and glorious beds of blue gentians, grandeur enough and beauty enough for a lifetime.